see Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles today. We're going to turn once again to a familiar passage of Scripture. John chapter 14. Jesus Christ has just told His disciples that they are going to be, they're going to be left by their Master, but uh, another Comforter is going to come, the Holy Spirit. He says to them in John 14, and verse number one, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. It's important that we understand the identity of the one who has given himself so that we might be saved. It's not just some other individual who is normal and usual and ordinary, but God in a body. Jesus Christ hung on a cross, shed His blood, rose from the tomb triumphantly, and is alive forevermore. Jesus Christ is our Savior. 
We don't trust in a man alone. We don't trust in a religion or a, a group of rules, but we trust in a person, Jesus Christ. Either Jesus Christ is all I need to be saved, or I am lost and so are you. Either Jesus Christ is all I need to go to heaven, or I am lost and so are you. Either Jesus Christ alone, knowing Him, receiving Him, is enough to be saved, or we might as well close up shop, turn out the lights, go home, eat, drink, and be merry, because there's no hope. Only Jesus Christ can save. In my Father's house, He says, are many mansions. Now, any place in heaven is going to by far surpass the most beautiful uh, earthly home that you can imagine. But the word mansion has a double meaning. It doesn't just mean a fabulous-looking, elegant home, but it's more than that. It means that there is a place to put us. In other words, God foreknew us. God knew that you would hear the gospel. God knew that you would receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And so the Lord who has been preparing a place, prepared that place, that mansion just for you. It is designed just for you. It is beyond your wildest imagination, but it is there to fit you. There's enough room for you. There's enough room for everybody who will come to God through Jesus Christ. He says, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's been preparing it all these years. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? That great verse, say it with me. It's John 14, 6. It says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now somebody might say, we've heard this preached so many times. We've heard you quote this so many times. In fact, I preach this recently. I preach it every time I get an opportunity because it tells about the most important thing that you and I have to understand. And that is salvation is not in a religion. It's in a relationship. It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the last time I preached it, I didn't take you on down a little bit further. Verse 27. First word is peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. On the front of your bulletin today, there's a very calm and peaceful scene goes along with the song that John Peterson wrote that we have sung together. I have a home beyond the river. Picturing one of the most wonderful aspects of the security that we have in Jesus Christ. I want to speak to you about a great and lofty truth, heaven. I want to speak to you of eternity. But I want to speak to you of this subject on a personal level. When I speak today... I not only want to challenge you with the truth, but I want to comfort you with the truth. Let not your heart be troubled if you're worried about what's going to happen in the future. You need to know Jesus Christ. And He takes all the worry. He takes all the care. He takes all the, all the trouble, all the difficulty upon Himself. He is the great burden bearer. If you are a born-again Christian or profess to know God through Christ, let me tell you, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. 
There is absolutely no reason for you to bear the brunt of the weight of the problems of the world, of the difficulties, the things that that, that old rotten news agency gets you all excited about. I tell you what, I have a per- personal beef with all of it, ABC and CBS and NBC and all the rest of the alphabet. I have a personal beef with them because it, all week long you've been listening to those people. and You've been getting your heart all upset and you've been getting up in a lather. You've been getting concerned all week long. All week long you've been listening to those people and then you come here for one hour. I've got one hour to bring you back down to earth again. I've got a beef with all those alphabet organizations. Shame on them. Shame on them for getting Christians upset. And shame on Christians for listening and getting upset. All that stuff, listen to me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Jesus Christ. Amen? He says, peace, I leave with you. Where's your peace, Christian? Say, well, I'm so worried. I'm just so concerned about all the problems. Don't you know everything that comes your way when you're in the will of God is permitted by God and it's for our own good and for His glory. And don't you know He gives you enough grace? Don't you know He's just knocking off all the rough spots? He's smoothing it out. He's making it the way it's supposed to be so that you can be a servant of God the way He wants you to be. Don't you know that none of that is because God is cruel or because God has somehow forgotten you, overlooked you? God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't overlooked you. God knows every detail of your life and of my life. And what He's permitting is for our own good, by His grace, and for His glory. Peace I leave with you. Just like that peaceful picture of that home beyond the river. I don't know what heaven's going to be like. But that looks awfully peaceful to me. I could kick back. I could kick back. I remember after I had my sixth heart attack. Goes back 17 years now. God wasn't ready to take me, threw me back like an undersized fish. I became a member of the Stent Club. Dr. Seary said it was a perfect 1 in 10,000 placement. I became the poster child for cardiologists. They said, good job, good job. I got that cholesterol down physically where I need to be by the grace of God. And God is holding me in His hand and taking care of me. But after that, why that, uh, that first end of May, beginning of June... We've decided to do something we hadn't really done, take a real vacation. And so we got in the vehicle and uh, we drove north. Now, I was smart enough going to go around New York City. It's a long ways to go around New York City. But I went around New York City and came down, dropped down in Connecticut, drove along there. We stayed on the shore by wherever the name of that place is in Connecticut, and then we drove on to Massachusetts and all the way up to Provincetown. And I called my father, who was alive at that time, 17 years ago. He's been gone 12 years now, so I called him. And he said, who is this? Because the voice on my end of the phone sounded very relaxed. He said, who is this? I said, well, it's Brad, your son. He said, it doesn't sound like you, son. Where are you? I said, we're sitting on the balcony in this nice place in Provincetown before the crowd got there. They're coming the next week. So we had the place to ourselves just about. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing nothing. I'm just sitting here relaxing. He said, who is this? (laughs) 
I may not get to do that again until I get to heaven, but I'm going to do a lot of it when I get there. And you say, well, what are we going to do for all eternity? We're going to praise and serve the Lamb of God. That's what we're going to do for all eternity. But I had for a few moments in time what comes close to peace. And peace is what He gives us. My peace, He says, I give unto you. Peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. If we can put together as many moments in time when we are completely trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are not troubled by the world around us, we can put them back to back to back to back. That is a picture of what eternity is going to be. No more trouble, no more trials, no more bills, no more problems, no more death or dying, no more sorrow, no more heartache. Won't it be wonderful there? Amen. Amen. John Owen, same, same name, same spelling as Ron Owen's dad. John Owen was a Puritan preacher. He was lying on his deathbed. And his secretary was writing notes during his final hours to all the friends. And so the secretary wrote so as to express the great Puritan preacher, John Owen, saying, I am still in the land of the living. And when that was read back to John Owen, the Puritan preacher, he said, Stop! Change it! Change that and say, I'm yet in the land of the dying, but I'm soon going to be in the land of the living. We get over on the other side. That's where the real living is. That's it. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you are terrified of death, you need to have a proper attitude. It is not a termination. It is a continuation. Elizabeth Elliot, the former missionary, the writer, <clears throat> tells about a time when she and a native guide were following a footpath through a South American jungle. The trail ended at a deep ravine. The only way across the deep ravine was a fallen tree. The guide jumped on the tree and started to cross. Elizabeth did not follow. How many of you with Elizabeth? He was startled. He turned around, went back, grabbed her by the hand and walked her across that fallen tree, and she got across to the other side. When he saw her hesitation, he came back, he took her, he took her on the cross, led her to safety on the other side. That's the way we are as you face your eternity. You might have some apprehension, because I've never died physically. Uh, I've never been there yet. But there's somebody who's already been there, and has already conquered death. He's already crossed over the ravine and He's come back and He's going to bring you and He's going to bring me. We just trust Him as He takes us in His capable hands. The immediate cause of death might be a heart attack. I almost went. Perhaps cancer, drowning, car accident, some other thing, old age. Second factor behind death is the moral cause. When Adam and Eve sinned, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. There's a death sentence upon all of us. The mortality rate is one out of one. The ultimate cause, the ultimate cause is the one 
that will take us home. And you and I don't know when that is, but we know who is going to meet us there. Jesus is the way. There is spiritual death. That is separation from God because we've never personally known the Lord. We're spiritually dead without Jesus Christ. There is physical death that occurs. Every one of us is going to experience that. But what you do not want to experience is the second death. That is before you die the first time. You need to be born the second time. Before you die the first time, you need to be born the second time. I'm talking about the new birth. I'm talking about born from above. I'm talking about being born again. Have you been saved? You say, well, I got baptized. You say, I joined the church. Uh, I took communion. I did all those things. That's not enough. You've got to be born again. God has given us a down payment on heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. The Bible says so. But it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 that He has given to us the earnest or the down payment of the Spirit. I have some collateral on heaven right now. God can't leave me outside of heaven because He's given me His collateral already. I've got the Holy Spirit inside of me. The moment you receive Christ as your Savior, you've got the earnest of the Spirit. You've got that collateral. I have a home beyond the river. How do I know that? I've got some collateral on it right now. And so have you. That wonderful verse, peace I leave with you, was Margaret Mitchell's favorite verse. We mentioned it in her funeral service, her home going. It was a comfort to her and a comfort to those who heard us preach it. Heaven is a wonderful place. It's not a state of mind. Heaven is an actual location. When you die, when you leave this place, you're going to another place. If you know Jesus Christ, you're going to that place known as heaven. If you die without Jesus Christ, you're going to that place known as hell. You have only two choices. There is not a third, fourth, or fifth opportunity. One or the other. Until you receive Christ and you're going to heaven, you're on your way to hell already. What do you have to do to go to hell? Nothing. Don't receive Christ, don't do a single thing, and you'll die and go out to e into eternity with no second chance. You need to be saved. You need to be born again. So do your friends. So does your family need to be born again. I want you to put it down quickly. Heaven is a place of forgiveness. Heaven is a place of forgiveness. The only people who get into heaven are people who have been forgiven of their sin. All the forgiven go to heaven. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. It's the most wonderful experience to know that you've been forgiven. There's nothing in this world like knowing that. Being redeemed. Yesterday we officiated at a wonderful wedding. Two fine Christian young people married. And uh, the colors, the special colors of that day were chosen. Blue and silver. And so I wore blue and silver. And I thought about it. Blue is the color that represents heaven where we're going because of Jesus Christ. Silver represents redemption. Did you know that? Silver is a type of redemption. And we're not redeemed with corruptible things, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, Peter says. And I understand that there's nothing we can do to redeem ourselves, but we've been bought out of the slave market of sin. We have been made brand new. We've been paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord for that truth. There's nobody 
who is sinless on this side. We are but a work in progress. The way I know that is the way we treat each other. The way we, we don't do right towards each other. Until we get to heaven, we're still a work in progress. But we are totally and completely forgiven because of the finished work of Jesus Christ here and now. And that is because God's forgiveness is divine forgottenness. He has absolutely forgotten what we used to be. What sins are you talking about is a song that expresses that. In other words, God has the ability to forget, to put out of mind anything that is under the blood of Jesus Christ and taken care of. And thank God for that. You and I should not say, I can't forget so-and-so. I can't forget the wrong that's been done. It, when you say, I can't forget, I can't forgive, what you're saying is, God is not able to give me and grant me His grace in this important matter. You're stuck. Your wheels are not, are not turning correctly. Uh, we need to give it a little time. And as I said in Sunday school, there's the case of that individual who said, I hate my spouse. I don't know what I'm going to do. And the preacher said, just treat your spouse like you love them for the next 30 days. Just pour out, shower love and affection on them. And after 30 days, guess what? The person who said they hated their spouse actually loved their spouse. Why is that? Because of the way we're wired, that's why. It's right for us to love our spouse. It's right for us to forgive those who've done us wrong. It's right for us, those that may have wronged somebody that was near and dear to you, and you're having a hard time with that, and you're stuck somewhere in all of that. Remember, that's the way we're wired. But we don't have to be that way. You can start to treat people as though they're forgiven and as though it's forgotten by you. And guess what? In time, you will forgive, you will forget. It won't be a problem for you anymore because you've given it to God. It's just the symptoms of it coming up again and again. It's just the devil trying to stir that up again and again. I'm telling you as people of God, we have the capacity to live the way we're supposed to, forgiving and forgetting like Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Just got to give it some time. It's like everything else. Happy Goodman's used to sing a song called Clear Title. They talk about that heavenly home where there'll never be any problem with termites or anything of that nature. Never have to have the roof replaced. Never, never have to worry about leaks or, or shingles falling off or anything like that. Got a clear title. We have a clear title through Jesus Christ because of redemption, because of forgiveness, because of God's divine forgottenness. Heaven is a place of forgiveness for forgiven people. Heaven is a place of faith. As we sang in Beulah Land, Squire Parson captured the essence of what it's all about. It's a place where our faith is going to turn to sight. When we cross over and we're there in the presence of the Lord, the things that we've been believing in that we have never actually seen with our physical senses, we're going to experience. We're going to be there in heaven. We're going to be, we're going to be like brand new and we're going to have heightened senses and our faith will turn to sight. We are people of faith because faith is a gift from God. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As you get into the Word and you begin to believe what you're reading, it is a gift of God that we believe those things that we are reading. And that produces faithfulness. 
The only faithful people we read about are not people that worked it up or did it on their own or experimentally tried something and became faithful at doing right. But rather the faithful are those that are full of faith. The faithful are those that have believed God, that have taken Him at His word. If you believe the Bible in its simple claims and you begin to practice those by the grace of God, you're going to be faithful. These are people who are among those who are favored by God. That divine favor is known as grace. And the grace of God hath appeared to all men, but those that will exercise what God has given them and will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. Those people experience what I'm talking about, the richness of this. It's a place where the faith that we've had and exercised during this lifetime turns to sight. Faith, faith. People of the Bible can experience fulfillment. And as we are progressively experiencing fulfillment because God keeps His promises, we're going to be more and more fulfilled. We're going to experience greater and greater satisfaction in the spiritual realm. And we're going to move right on into eternity. And we will be completely, ultimately, and totally fulfilled. There will be no lack of fulfillment. There will be no person that will say, you know what? Uh, there are some problems with my heavenly accommodations. You will never have to say those words or think those words because heaven is a perfect place. We will have been perfected. Heaven is a perfect place. There will be perfect joy and complete fulfillment for all eternity. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but certainly every hand would be raised. In some area of my life, in some area of your life, you would have to confess there is a lack of total and complete fulfillment. I haven't been able to achieve this goal. I haven't been able to do this thing. I haven't gone to that place. I haven't, and, and we talk about relationships. We talk about life. And we talk about goals. And we haven't completely done all the things that we'd like to. When we get to heaven, there's going to be no sense of unfulfillment. We're going to have a complete sense of fulfillment in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We own a television set, but it's not hooked up. You understand what I mean? We're plugged into the wall for electricity, but we watch DVDs that we select. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about? So don't go out of here and say, oh, preacher and preacher's wife just watch any old television. We don't. So I had to be told this by an unspiritual Baptist. I'm kidding. That there are things called reality shows. Now, don't amen. Everybody just kind of, oh, me. Oh, me. All right, reality shows. What a joke. What a joke. Without a doubt, to some degree, every one of those things has got to be a performance. Got to be made up. Say, oh no, it's real. You're the same people who believe professional wrestling is all legitimate, don't you? <laughs> well, they really bleed. Yeah, they really bleed, but it's an act. Yeah, they decide ahead of time, you know, I'm going to break this over your head and I'm going to break this across your back and then I'm going to break your leg and a bone's going to be sticking out straight. We'll call 911 and I'll become the champion of the world of, you know, Woodbridge for the third time, you know. And it's a show, folks. It's an act. Absolutely is. And so are reality shows. We get to heaven, that'll be reality. Until then, there is an element of surrealism, isn't there? People say, oh, I just, I don't, I don't know that it'll seem real when I get to heaven. No, when you get to heaven, it will, for the first time, be reality. 
Everything else here is like surreal. What's over there is reality. Heaven. Heaven is real. Spiritual reality. So heaven is a place of forgiveness where the forgiven are. And heaven is a place where faith turns to sight. That's it. The fascinating thing about that wonderful heavenly city, there's no night there. The gates of it will never be shut at all by day. No one will be wasting any time. We'll be able to enjoy all the eternal ages. There'll never be a closing of the pearly gates. For man will forever have access to the God who has loved us and saved us. There shall in no way enter into it, though, anything that defileth, neither he that worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We're going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. We know who is there. Because of that, I am motivated in this life to try to get everybody that I possibly can. Get them on board. Get them ready to go to heaven. That's why every time I speak, every time I give a devotional, every time we have a gathering, I give the invitation. That's why on Saturday at the Beast Feast, in memory of those who have gone on before us, I think of your dad, John. I think of of how the first time he came, he prayed to receive Christ. I think of all your relatives that have come and gotten saved. And I thank God that you invited all those people. And your dad invited all those people. And they came to the Beast Feast. And the reason they came to the Beast Feast perhaps was to get some venison or to have some fellowship or shoot some archery. But what they got was much better than archery or better than food or better than fellowship. They found the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. I don't know why you came today, but you're going to find Jesus as your Savior. And so don't give up. Don't stop. Never stop. As long as those family members, friends, and acquaintances are breathing, never give up. Like Caleb, who became 85 years of age and said, I'm still as young and vital as I was 40 years ago. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. And Bill Harvey has written that great song. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. And that's the mountain we want. Don't ever quit. Don't ever give up. Someone has written, when things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and the debts are high, and when you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a fellow turns about when he might have won if he'd stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it Seems to a faint and faltering man when the struggler has given up, when he might have captured the victor's cup, when he learned too late that the night came down, how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your hardest hit. And when things seem the worst, that's when you must not quit. Never give up. As long as I can speak, as long as I can preach, I'm never going to give up trying to point people to Jesus Christ so they can go home to be with God in that wonderful place 
where it's a place of forgiveness, where faith is turned aside. Number three, where it's a place where families and family members and friends can come and be together. Your house is not a home because of its physical construction. Is it? No. Your house is not a home because of the type of lumber, the type of material of which it was made. Your house is a home because of the people who are in it. That's what makes it a home. Because it's familiar. The picture on the front of the bulletin strikes a chord. It resonates because it looks comfortable. It looks comforting. And that's what home is. And that's what heaven is. Heaven is glorious, yes. But we're not going to be with six arms and purple colored skin and four, four eyes and, and you know, four feet. We're not going to be strange people. Somebody has said, what, what is God like? And one of my mentors said, why, He's like we are without sin. And that's as close as we can come because we can't imagine God. But God is like we are without sin. And so you say, what is heaven like? Heaven's like here without sin. Just put without sin, without the effects of sin, without the consequences of sin. A perfect place. And when you get there, you're not going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel that day of peace when you yielded to God. Another day of peace. Except there is no night and there is no division and eternity is forever. So it's going to be peace and peace and peace and peace and peace and peace. Forever! Endlessly! In the presence of Jesus Christ. In my Father's house are many mansions. I want my first birth family to all be there. She's got a cousin that just revealed that she has a large, large cancerous tumor. And she's not yet saved. And we want to pray that she gets saved. We want, we want our first birth family to all be in heaven. We know that our second birth family, the saved, will be there. We'll have eternity. And sometimes the second birth family that we have, I'm talking about the new birth family. I'm talking about saved friends and family. Sometimes they're closer than our, than our first birth family. But we want all of our family and friends to be there. It's not like when we go to, to preach somewhere, and we check into a hotel. It takes us, I swear, two, three times as long to get ready to do anything. Isn't that right? It's like, how many of you have a dog? Raise your hands. How many of you that dog, before he decides to lie down, he makes a circle or two or three? Yeah, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Yes, okay, your dog's that way. That's what I feel like when I get into a hotel. You know, I'm there to speak at a church or at an event, and we're trying to, where is stuff? Where is it? Why? It's not familiar. It's unfamiliar. Ah, but when we come home, now, it's a beautiful home. The parsonage is a beautiful home in which we're allowed to live. But the main thing about it is not the beautiful construction or the expense of the home. It's the fact that it's what? Familiar. And let me say on top of it, somebody's there that I love. That's what makes it home. And when we get home to be with God, it's not the fabulous construction. It's not the gates of pearl, the walls of jasper. It's not the street of gold. It's who's there. That's what makes it home. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
Thank God we'll know Him. We'll be known as we are known. We have a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. He no longer calls us servants, but He calls us friends. It's not because it's fancy. It's because it's familiar. It's a place that's forever. It's a place that is our future. And praise God, it's because of who is there. Johnny Erickson Tata, you know who she is. She was forever paralyzed, became a quadriplegic when she dove into a pool and broke her neck. And she's become a wonderful witness for the Lord. You can hear her on the radio. Sometimes uh, she's on like a Gaither video or something. We can see her. But she tells the story of going to a special needs camp for kids. And at the end, they, they, one of the thrills is they give the microphone to these special needs kids and they get, to, they get to say what they like best about the camp. And some might talk about the food, some might talk about the cabin, some might talk about the, the swim time or the special time that they're given free because they're special needs kids. One little guy with Down syndrome was handed the microphone. After everybody had talked about the special food and the special time and all the good things that had happened, he took that microphone and he smiled real big, caught his breath, and then he said, let's go home. And why did he say that? He had had a wonderful time, but he knew who was waiting for him at home. Daddy was waiting at home. He wanted to go home to Daddy. And I got to say, God has been good. He's given me many opportunities. I've gone places and spoken with people, and I've served the Lord in circumstances, preacher, that I could never have imagined before because of the goodness of God. Put me in places before kings, before uh, uh, important people, people with titles and people of, of importance as far as the eyes of the world are concerned. And I didn't feel any more special in the presence of, of a president as I did in the presence of some humble little hut dweller on the backside of a, of a, of a little hovel somewhere on a jungle scene. But all those places that we've had a chance to be, i got to tell you, hand me the microphone and I'll say, let's go home. I want to go home to be with Daddy. I want to go home to be with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A bunch of my first birth family are there. All of my second birth family are going to be there. Praise the Lord. I want to go home. Peace, I leave with you. We sang a lot of great songs today, didn't we? One we didn't sing is, This world is not my home. I'm singing just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Stand up. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you today would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart? Slip your hand up high. Amen. Yes, put your head down. How many of you would like to say, Preacher, I'm anxious just like you are. I want to go there. Raise your hand. Come on, I want to go there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Put your hand down. Amen. You got somebody over there waiting for you. Praise the Lord. When you get there, you'll feel at home. It'll be familiar. It'll be right. Amen. 
But we want to get everybody to go that can go. We want to get everybody ready to go. How many of you, you have a loved one, family member, friend that doesn't know Jesus yet? Raise your hand. Come on. You want them to be saved. You want them to know Jesus. Come on. Come on. Would you pray for them right now? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Now let me say it this way. Maybe you're one who's not sure of heaven. You'd say, I'd like to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I want to be there for all eternity. I want to be saved. Then we, we can only be saved by grace through faith. So we have to receive the free gift. We have to take Jesus Christ at His word. Take Him into our heart by asking Him to come in. Right now with your head bowed and eyes closed, if you're not sure of heaven, I want you to pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Pray from your heart silently and mean it. Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I want Jesus to come in my heart right now and take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you just prayed that prayer and meant it, slip your hand up high so I can see it. I prayed that prayer and I meant it. All right, God bless you. Let me invite you to do this. I'm going to step down front. If you have never come forward and said to me, I prayed that prayer, let's make this a day of your public profession.